Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Valence Advisory and Mattermade. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Devarera, and I am the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support founders and funders and help accelerate their efforts via people, strategy, and capital. And now off to John. Great. And I, I'm John Lowe from Valence Advisory. I'm an advisor uh, focused on leadership and communication. And today we have a wonderful founder guest, Rahim. Thank you for making the time to get here and uh, do this. We're really excited about this initiative and sharing your story with a wider ecosystem. So why don't you kick us off? What's, uh, what's your current role and what are you working on now? Yeah, well, first of all, it's great uh, great to see you, great to speak to you. I've felt a little uh, disconnection in the last few days, so it's awesome to, to get plugged back in. And I am CEO and co-founder of SV Academy. We were, uh, some great news, just named the number two um, innovative education company by Fast Company, uh, which we're really excited about. Um, essentially, we help job seekers who may not have the experience or the right internships or went to the right school connect with skills and employment opportunities to start as SDRs in SaaS, which, as you know, is a massively growing industry, $300 billion. And I think one of the beauties of our model is that it's entirely employer-funded. So job seekers who have that commitment and motivation and are looking for a new career uh, don't pay a single dollar of tuition. Uh, we give them a tremendous amount of opportunity and help them uh, all the way, uh, not just with the job, but also through their first year and beyond and being successful and becoming the next AE for, for your company. Thanks for sharing that. Apparently in your role, I um, understand, you know, in recent mass events, it's been a bit of a task to coordinate and kind of adjust to the new economic climate. What are some of the things that excite you now? And what are some of the key challenges you're working through as we speak in this present moment? Well, first of all, I talked about the strength of SaaS as an industry. And when I think about which industries are going to benefit the most from change, I think SaaS is incredibly well positioned. And in fact, I think it will accelerate some transformation of SaaS into more endemic industries that may have otherwise taken years to unfold. So I think broadly speaking, my tech and specifically SaaS, the world that we play in, is really positive. I think the other big exciting opportunity is the idea around working from home and having virtual workforces, which is something we've all, uh, if we've had experience with it before or not, we are all now getting the experience with it. And whether you, whether it's taking some time to sort of adjust or it feels, you know, very easy, I think it will become new norm, perhaps not entirely, but I think in terms of its acceptance and adoption more broadly by employers. And that is really exciting for me because it's something we've wanted to support at SV Academy, certainly our entire training, our entire mentoring, coaching, uh, all of the skill development, all the post-hire support, all of community building, all of the employer engagement, all of that has always been virtual from the very beginning. But one of the constraints for the impact that we're creating at SV Academy has been employers have had a strong preference for their inside sales teams being in person in the office and particularly in areas where higher cost areas within the country, which also has 
created a constraint to adoption of our model because uh, our job seekers, while they take their training virtually, end up having to move to one of the big cities, San Francisco or New York, for example, in order to get their job started. And if we remove that barrier, the ability for us to find and support the highest quality sales talent with the highest quality company allows an increased uh, velocity in matches and ultimately productivity. And I think it's going to be incredibly exciting for the new normal. And I think we're really well positioned for it because we've been doing it now for three years across now 500 graduates of our program. Yeah, well, that's uh, super exciting. I totally agree. It's interesting how like external shock events can accelerate new cultural norms forming. And it's really exciting here, uh, um, SV Academy being early positioned to actually support that. I'm going to shift gears a bit because you have an interesting story yourself, Raheem. Uh, this is obviously not your first startup. I think you've mm-hmm. got the serial entrepreneur gene, can't help but create. And uh, my understanding is you also started a company and sold it during your college days. But maybe give us a bit of a backstory about, you know, like uh, how you got into tech and became a founder, really. And you can talk about a few catalysts or even challenges you went through in your early days as an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, has got makes me so excited about SV Academy and the population of job seekers we support is that I didn't even go to college. So that first tech experience I had actually happened between my junior and senior year of high school. And I grew up in government housing, you know, in a world that was very disconnected uh, from business, entrepreneurship, the tech industry. Definitely, I saw the tech industry and people who were older, but not that much older, uh, funny enough, pursuing their dreams and actualizing their dreams, um, you know, by by building um, websites and so on, you know, starting with nothing, et cetera, really inspired me to um, figure out I might do the same thing. And so... So crazy thing is getting fired from McDonald's when I was in high school, that was the real catalyst for me. Uh, when you get fired from McDonald's, it is a very embarrassing experience socially. Also very difficult to get a job anywhere else when Ronald McDonald will not give you a reference. And so, you know, I get fired the next day. You know, my best friend Hussein and I, we started talking about, well, what do we do in order to get some pocket money? And we had a lot of uncles and fans and so on who had small businesses and wanted to get websites up on online. So we started to build websites for them. And that eventually turned into like this automated platform. And that automated platform turned into about 25,000 small businesses using uh, this site that we had built to get online, you know, domains, email addresses, that kind of stuff. And uh, we did this all the while while finishing high school, so uh, not telling our parents that we were doing this at all. And so we were completely in the dark until uh, we ended up selling the company, actually, which was a pretty incredible experience because uh, we ended up telling our parents, okay, here's what we've been up to the last couple of years, and we just sold our company. It's going to be a newspaper. And by the way, we sold it for a couple million bucks, and you know we can get out of um, – you know, we can stop using coupons at uh, the Sizzler. And, uh, you know, from there, it just was, it was like this unfolding air of continuing to take the confidence that I had now to pursue my own path and follow my heart and ended up starting a couple other companies um, that didn't go so well, some that did well and um, sold my last company to Oracle, which is where I really got a taste of, of fast and in particular enterprise go to market. 
at a very kind of global and world-class level execution. And that led to, all right, well, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And how could I take all of those experiences I've had, both in terms of building software, B2B software companies and, and sales teams, as well as, uh, you know, being an individual who's come from the under-resourced background and, and kind of put the two together to really make the world a better place. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Nice. Those are subheaders of what happened, but there's a lot of details missing along the way. Tell me in hindsight, what were some of like the most challenging moments you've had, probably personally and in business, and how you navigated that territory? And, you know, obviously it's hard to separate life from business if you're a full-time entrepreneur. But looking back, what are some of those memorable challenges that really catalyzed a lot of growth for you? Well, it's sort of, it's similar to like the present situation we're in right now when there is sort of instability in the market and people are going one way. How can you sort of intelligently go the other way? I think that's a really interesting frame for me for my entire life. A great reflection when I think about looking at opportunity, I often will look in the face of, you know, sort of more of a, a macro challenge, like look at taking a path that other people aren't necessarily taking and be a little bit unconventional. And I think it framed across my entire journey. I'll give you one specific example, which is, you know, very early in my career when I made the decision to not go to college, uh, when most of my peers were either going to work for like, let's say their family business, or they were going to work in trades, or they uh, were going to community college. Some of them even went to a four-year college program. In my, you know, culturally, it was expected that I would continue with post-secondary education. And to me, felt like there was a market opportunity within the tech industry where, you know, in the early 2000s, it was sort of an ice storm. And I think most people were kind of going more conventional paths. And I said, actually, this is probably the best time for me to go and build a tech company because it'll be easier, cheaper. I'll be able to attract better talent, uh, have more meaningful conversations with customers who may not be as well suited as they may need and, you know, to find opportunity ultimately where others aren't looking. And I think that's like the, that's, that is a constant challenge that we face in our lives, you know, with all of the major life decisions we make, as well as how we think professionally, um, in my case, starting companies. I'm kind of constantly looking at uh, where, you know, what are the questions I'm not asking myself, right? Where are the places that others are not looking that I can look? And I actually think that's time to start companies is, is in a time when there is a lot of uncertainty. And that's what makes me so excited and optimistic about, you know, the coming months, quarters, years. Nicely said. Thanks for sharing that, Raheem. And you mentioned that you ask yourself, you know, what questions aren't you asking? And uh, along your journey, did you have any specific mentors that provided a bit of a guiding light along your journey? And if so, uh, can you share a bit about what they helped you realize or learn and that was helpful? Yeah, I had, I've had a handful of mentors. I'll, I'll share three of them with you. The first was when I was just leaving high school, kind of entering um, kind of late teens. Uh, there was a journalist that had covered the sale of my first company, his name is Tony Wanless. And what he really helped me with was he was like the first sort of adult figure I had in my life that I could really relate to as, as sort of a peer. Like he played a Sherpa role with me around kind of joining adulthood on my own terms uh, in a way that I sort of didn't have that role being filled either 
you know, by my parents, um, where there's some natural hierarchy or family members or let's say, you know, school teachers, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think with Tony, he helped me figure out how to join the adult world in a way that felt very much like I belonged. Uh, uh, the second one was with my last company, I had an independent board member, Steve Walski. Um, Steve Walski was the CEO of um, Parametric Technologies, a public company that has been known within enterprise to have like the very, very best world-class, best-in-class enterprise go-to-market. And he really helped me through some challenging times on my board and as a, as a CEO and as a leader, but also helped me really appreciate enterprise sales as a, as a discipline and why that is so, so important in SaaS, the industry that I've you know, chosen to make my career in when at that time, I think a lot of us were just thinking about like engineering and product. And I think we fantasize a lot about that. And we carol that a lot in, especially in Silicon Valley, but broadly, I would say in the tech industry. And I came out of that experience with a completely different view uh, and appreciation for the importance of sales. And then the third one was while I was at Oracle, my former competitor, and then sort of my new boss, let's call it Reggie Bradford, who was uh, CEO of Vitro, uh, who also got acquired by Oracle. We ended up being combined into the same group, um, kind of the beginnings of the Oracle marketing cloud. And he really pushed me to be bold in all of my thinking. And so when we started SV Academy, uh, he pushed me really, really hard to think 10 times bigger in terms of how, you know, what I could achieve in terms of um, potential impact, you know, population, uh, you know, he wrote like a big you know, six figure check uh, without even knowing what exactly the business was going to look like, but believed in me and believed in, in this vision so much that um, some of those early relationships he helped us build with employers who still are big hiring partners or have become big hiring partners for SV Academy are ones that, um, you know, I'll be forever grateful for. And sadly, Reggie passed away, you know, October uh, ago. And so, you know, his contribution and his role as a mentor in my life, not only like was substantial during the period of his life, but like carries on with me. Like I, I keep looking back to the lessons that he taught me uh, through the years that we competed as competitors, five, six years <laughs> along with, you know, being, you know, in the same group and him kind of being my boss over at Oracle to him being kind of like an executive chairman, first angel investor in SV Academy. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And, and, you know, I thought this would be a, a good moment then to ask the next question, Raheem, like, you know, as you mature even more in your journey as an entrepreneur, and as a leader, like, um, I'm sure you've thought about being that same person for other people, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. maybe other, entre- other entrepreneurs or other rising talent. And, you know, for other aspiring entrepreneurs who are early in their journey out there, uh, what are some things that you wish you knew earlier that you potentially would like to share now if mm-hmm. they're watching this video? Yeah. yeah, I think I, you know, if you think about my journey, I started very much with the idea that I needed, like I was an outsider and as an outsider, the way for me to be successful was to go out there and like change the world, like really focus on all of the inequalities and the gaps and figure out how just through like brute force, I could go out there and smile back through it all. And what I now appreciate having gone through those experiences that the very best place to start is actually with you, like 
focusing on self and focusing on within. And I was just talking about Reggie. One of the very practical lessons he shared with me was every year he used to write a two or three paragraph vision statement, not for his business, which is something we talk often about, but about himself as a human being, as a father, as a leader in his community, as a CEO of, of his startup. And he shared his last one with me before his passing. And of course, like very touching to me to have that experience, that intimate experience with seeing how he kind of, the, the level at which he held himself to, but also um, very instructive for me in terms of, okay, like I'm always looking for advice on how I can make my business better. What, how can I make my business better? And I forget that one of the strongest agents for change is actually, in terms of agents of change for my business is actually focusing on making myself like a better human and a better father now. And, and a better leader and, and then a better CEO, but it has to sort of start within, start at that core and then kind of work your way out. Basically, I can't be a great CEO if I'm not a great father and I can't probably be a great father if I don't fully love myself and I haven't fully sort of understood and appreciated myself as a whole human being. So I think that's the biggest thing I can share. And, and there are very, two very specific, let's say agreements that I have made with myself in the last couple of years that I want to share with you. Number one is an agreement to take 100% responsibility for my experience. And so even in light of what is happening in the macro environment, or finger at vendors or partners or customers or markets or investors. But the reality is that these are all byproducts of a set of choices that I have made and I continue to make on a day-to-day -day basis um, that I have control over. I may not be able to control what's going on out there, like you know the rapid rate of proliferance of the pandemic, for example, but I am actively making choices every day that either sort of open or close opportunities for me. And the second one is, the second agreement I've made with myself is to be detached from always wanting to be right. And the corollary to that or the mechanism for me to get there is around having like a strong sense of curiosity about everything that I'm experiencing and including the present climate. And I think it, by combining these two agreements together, I'm able to be my very, very best self. And it's allowing me to see markets, like vision into markets and the evolution of markets uh, for our business um, and for the businesses that I support and invest in that I think will allow those individuals and for those and those businesses to achieve like the greatest levels of impact they can and to be their full selves and full organizations and on a day micro level keeps my well-being intact and keeps me sane and keeps me feeling just really excited about every moment but i don't think i would have understood that two years ago five years ago ten years ago had i not made the mistakes that, that that I made along the way. And hopefully, if I can help others who would otherwise um, repeat some of those mistakes, avoid those mistakes through those learnings, then that to me is like a, you know, like a job well done, a life well lived. That's awesome. Nicely Thank said. I think that's a, that's a great way to end this podcast interview. Thanks for sharing that. I think um, you went in a really lovely direction. 